Chapter Thirteen of Craddock Noel: A Tale of the New Forest, Volume Two, by Richard Doddridge Blackmore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Chapter Thirteen. Mrs. Noel Corklemore by this time was well established at the hall, and did not mean in her kind, rich heart to quit the place prematurely almost every day however she made some feint of departure which rendered every one more alive to the value of her presence how could her dear noel exist without her she felt quite sure he would come that day yes that very day to fetch her in their little simple carriage that did shake her poor back so dreadfully back thrown into prominence here being an uncommonly pretty one but oh how thankful she ought to be for having a carriage at all and so many poor things quite as good quite as refined and delicate could scarcely afford a perambulator but she hoped for dear sir craddock's sake and that sweet simple-minded eoa who really did require some little cultivation that now she understood them both and could do her little of ministering mr corklemore would let her stay if it were only two days longer and then her floor her sweet little floor an angel of light among them georgie had been married twice and she was just the sort of woman who would have been married a dozen times if a dozen save one of husbands were so unfortunate as to leave her her first lord or rather vassal had been the count de vance a beggarly upstart frenchman in the language of his successor who by the by had never seen but heard of him too often but according to better authority a man one could truly look up to so warm-hearted so agreeable and never for a moment tired dear of his poor little simple wife perhaps it is needless to state that mr corklemore long had been so scientifically henpecked that he loved the operation only he was half afraid to say haw when his wife was there to say pshaw sir craddock noel of course had seen a good deal of what is called the world but his knowledge of women was only enough to teach him the extent of that subject he never was surprised much at anything they did but he could not pretend to tell the reason of their doing it even when they had any of which he did not often suspect them he believed that they would have had their way whenever they could wherever and by whatever means that very few of them meant what they said and none of them knew what they meant that the primal elements in the entire body feminine were jealousy impulsiveness vanity and contrariety georgie corklemore soon found out that he had adopted this the popular male opinion and she did not once attempt to remove it knowing as she did that nothing could be more favourable to her purposes so she took up the part which suited her as well as any and enabled her to say many things which else would have given offence the part of the soft impulsive warm-hearted foolish woman who is apt among men to become a great pet if she happens to be good-looking eoa would gladly have yielded her prerogatives to georgie but mrs corklemore was too wide awake to accept any one of them no darling she replied for your own sake i will not it is true that uncle craddock wishes it and so no doubt do you but you are bound to acquire all this social knowledge of which you have now so little 
and how can you do so except by instruction and practice oh cried eoa firing up if uncle cradock wishes it i am sure i'll leave it to you and not be laughed at any longer i'll go to him at once and tell him so and as for being bound i won't be bound to learn any nonsense i don't like my papa was as wise as any of you and a great deal better and he never made such a fuss about rubbish as you do here stop sweet child stop a moment i am not a sweet child and i won't stop and another thing i'll tell you i had made up my mind to do it before this mind before you tried to turn me out of my place and it's this you may call me what you like but i don't mean to call you cousin georgie any longer in the first place i don't like you and never shall as long as i live for i never half believe you and in the next place you are no cousin of mine and social usage or whatever it is you are always bothering me about may require me to tell some stories but not that one i should fancy or at any rate i won't do it very well replied mrs corklemore looking up from the softest of fancy work with the very sweetest of smiles then i shall be obliged in self-defence to address you as miss nowell to be sure why shouldn't you well it can be shown perhaps that you are entitled to the name only at first it will seem absurd when applied to a baby like you a baby like me indeed this was eoa's sore point and georgie who delighted in making her outrageous was always harping upon it mrs corklemore how dare you call me at my age a baby eoa looked down at georgie with great eyes flashing fire and her clear bright forehead wrinkling and her light form poised like an antelope's on the edge of a cliff mrs corklemore not thinking it worth while to look up at her carelessly threw back a curl and went on with her rug work because you are a baby and nothing more eoa in a moment she was tossed through the air and sitting on eoa's head low satin chair and all she had not time to shriek so rapid was her elation little floor running in at the moment clapped her hands and shouted oh ma have a yide a nice yide same as me yesterday me next me next oh ah eoa with the greatest ease her figure as straight as a poplar tree bore the curule chair and its occupant to the end of the room and there deposited them carefully on a semi-grand piano that's how we nurse the babies in india she cried with a smile of sweet temper but it takes a big baby to do it and some practice i can tell you now i'll not let you down mrs corklemore and if visitors come in what will they think of our social usages down you don't come till you have promised solemnly never to call me a baby again my dear began georgie trying hard not to look ridiculous though the position was so unfavourable my dear child no not my dear child even miss nowell if you please and nothing else miss nowell if you will only lift me down oh it is polished so nastily i am slipping off already i will promise solemnly to call you only what you like all the rest of my life eoa lifted her off in an instant but mind i will be even with you cried georgie through her terror when safe on the floor once more 
I don't care that for you answered Eoa snapping her fingers like a copper cap Only I will have proper respect shown to me by people. I particularly dislike People I love may call me what or do with me what they please my father was just the same and I don't want to be any better than he was and I don't believe God wants it He must be easily contented then Georgie with all her deliciousness could never pass a chance of sarcasm Now I'll go and have it out with uncle Craddock about having you for my ayah Mrs. Corklemore trembled far more at those words than at finding herself on the piano this strange girl whom she had so despised was baffling all her tactics and with no other sword and shield but those of truth and candour i've been a fool said georgie to herself for about the first time in her life i have strangely underrated this girl and shall have to work hard now to get round her but it must be done come though i have been so rash i have two to one in my favour now i see the way to handle it but she must not tell the old noodle that will never do i thought miss nowell she continued aloud that it would not be considered honourable even among east indians to repeat to a third person what was said familiarly and in confidence of course not what makes you speak of it do you mean to say i would do such a thing no i am sure you would not knowingly but if you think for a moment you will see that what i said just now especially as to sir craddock's opinions was told to you in pure confidence and meant to go no further oh answered eoa then please not to tell me anything in pure confidence again because i cannot keep secrets and you have no right to load me with them without ever asking my leave even but i'll try not to let it out unless you provoke me before him with this half promise georgie was obliged to be content she knew well enough that if eoa brought the question before her uncle the truth would come out that sir craddock had never dreamed for a moment of substituting georgie the daughter of his cousin for eoa the only daughter of his only brother clayton he knew of course that the eastern maiden had no artificial polish but he saw that she had an inborn truth a delicacy of feeling and a native sympathy which wanted only experience to be better than any polish from that day forth mrs corklemore aided perhaps by physical terror formed a higher estimate of eoa's powers so she changed her tactics altogether and employed her daughter that sharp little flaw to cover the next advance flaw was a little beauty so far as anything artificial can be really beautiful Dressed as she was in the height of French fashion and herself nine-tenths of a Frenchwoman For there was no such thing as a French girl as we Englishmen understand girlhood She always looked like a butterfly just born in and about to pop out of a bower for little Flor was divinely beautiful This angel was now nearly four years old and would look at you with the loveliest eyes that ever appealed from the cradle to heaven and throw her exaggerated little figure back and tell you the biggest lie that an angel ever wiped her mouth with oh you lovely child i would rather have loo jupp who knows a number of bad words which you would faint to hear of but loo won't tell a lie her father beat her out of it the very first time she tried 
End of chapter 13